Thank you for listening to the Starburns Audio Podcast Network. We have so many great comedy shows to add to your playlist. Just last week on Starburns Audio, our new player has joined. Keith and Jesse talked to Dr. Christopher Hale about getting involved with the Sister District Project. They also discuss fascism and gaming and echo the dolphin. On The Boogie Monster, Dave Stone and Kyle Kinane talk about exploration and treasure hunting, the protests, and redefining policing. On Office Hours Live, Tim Heidecker, DJ Doug Pound, and Vic Berger are joined by Thundercat and Z from Black Socialists in America. Listen to this episode to find out how you can help Office Hours raise funds for the Black Lives Matter Global Fund. Search Starburns Audio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcast platform for a full list of our shows. Featuring hosts like Monet Exchange, Bob the Drag Queen, and Amanda Seals. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Starburns Audio. Enjoy the show. And remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep laughing. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is attracting what you want. Let's do this. Hey, hey guys, you're listening to Kinda Dating. And for those wondering out there, yes, I'm single. Single as fuck. And as a result, I'm always uh, on new apps, uh, new dating apps, that is. Um, Right now, I've tried out this new one. Um, It's called Magnet, the check-in dating app, uh, where it's like venue-specific. So it means if you're out and about, kind of like I am all the time, and you go into a venue, you check in, and you can scope out other single people in real time, which I think is cool because then you get five minutes to chat it up, and you get to realize right away if this is somebody you want to date, not date, if there's chemistry, no chemistry, and if there is, hey, let's set up number two. If not, peace out. Let's go. Um, I think it brings the best parts of online dating and real life approaching, um, and there's no more wait, which is great. So uh, if you want to break the ice and meet up on the spot, you should download Magnet. It's available on iPhone or Android, and guess what? Since I'm on it, you can check in here at Meltdown Comics and have a chance to match with me. And you know how to break the ice with me? Tell me you're a fan of kind of dating. Yeah, yeah, that is a way to my heart. I'm just saying. Okay, so besides Magnet, um, I love all of your reviews. Um, you know, I read them all. Um, like this one from Naveen310, who said, Natasha and her guests sharing dating experiences that anyone dating now can empathize with and learn from. Glad to know that I'm not alone and that there's still hope. Um, Naveen, thanks so much for that review. I really appreciate it. Um, And if you do guys like what you hear, um, I'd really appreciate if you guys could leave a review or a five-star rating on the app. It really does help us. Um, Today's topic is very, very interesting to me. Uh, I think it'll be very interesting to everybody, but it kind of resonated with me, especially our expert who's on today. So I'd like to introduce to you Megan Wex. Uh, She's an international dating and relationship expert and has been referred to as a man whisperer that specializes in helping women get the admiration they deserve for men and to keep it. Hi, Megan. 
Hey, Natasha. Wait, did I say your last name right? You did. Oh, yay. Okay, good. I was like, for a tiny second, I freaked out. Um, Megan is joining us from New York, uh, where I used to live. And uh, your story um, really, really resonated with me, uh, especially about attracting what you want. Um, I'm going to let you tell it. But first, let me ask, single or in a relationship? I know the answer, but... Natasha, I've been married now. I just had my third wedding anniversary yay, in June. Yay, congrats. To my husband, Josh. Aww. Yes, and we're still very much in love, and, you know, I'm just thrilled. That's great. So now I, w- now I want you to, to tell everybody so um, your story and why you're not just a, uh, you know, a relationship expert by day in terms of like qualification you actually live the life so um yeah just tell us so i was not a natural at love i think through my upbringing and the examples that i saw and what i went through growing up like uh many of us who have issues in our relationships or attracting the one that we want or maintaining a high quality relationship with a high quality partner um I just, when I started looking for that serious relationship, I was unable to keep these men around. I was always able to attract a man, and that wasn't the problem. But as soon as it started getting serious, it just pretty much went south. And at some point, uh, after having, you know, I moved to Manhattan, and I had about 75 boyfriends and false starts. And (laughs) finally... (laughs) I know that story, girl. (laughs) Finally, I had to take a long look in the mirror and realize that I was, you know, I was that common denominator in all of my failed relationships. And I I searched for information and I started doing work on myself. And through all that I have done in my trial and error, I tried all the stuff and I put it into play um, in New York City and I was able to turn everything around and meet, attract and marry my soulmate, Josh, I'm currently married to. So now, you know, I have found myself in my work cubicle, in my corporate jobs, and I would just like sit with my girlfriends and talk about these things that I'd learned to try to help them because I feel that this information is just not readily available. It's just not out there, the things that I work with women on. And so then I realized I should make it into a career because this is what I love doing and I obsessively want to help women um, make those changes that, that I made. Totally. And and yeah, like I remember resonating with your story because when I read it, it felt like it was me where, um, you know, uh, for various reasons, um, I'm also or I wasn't uh, very great at uh Actually, I was in very, very long relationships, and then I went through a, like five and a half years of not wanting to be in in one at all. And then wow. um, I went through, I mean, I dated a lot, girl, but uh, I just didn't want to be in a relationship. And, uh, you know, as I got to a certain age, it just suddenly sort of hit me where I was like, oh, no, wait, I think I really want more. Like all that commitment phobia and messing around and whatever like just wasn't even fulfilling me anymore and I remember being like nope now I want to change and 
funny enough, the minute I said that, it took maybe like two months of an active mental brain check of, no, this is really the change I want. If if that that's what I mean, then that means all these other people that don't fit that bill and I know are just not real potentials I need to like weed out and then I met my ex-boyfriend after you know five and a half years of refusing to date anybody and lived with him Um, Mm -hmm. it didn't work out for various other reasons but uh, I remember thinking holy shit it really isn't like a shift you know it can be as simple as that but I but I know you have a lot more to offer it than just that so I want to know how did you how did you attract your man or what do you think can we start there? How did you attract your man? That's a great question. I just want to piggyback on what you yeah. said about how it sometimes it can be as simple as that shift, that decision, or that mind shift, uh, mindset shift that you made. Um, so it, being intentional and setting that intention is one of the steps. But you see, for me, what was the biggest transformation, and, and I had to do multiple things. There were a lot of moving parts as far as like what I was doing um, wrong. I don't like to use that word, but you know, it yeah. really is for, the truth. For the there purposes that of this, I was, yes. You know, it sucks to have to take that look at yourself, but I know that they were wrong because as soon as I shifted those, everything happened for me. Yeah. Um, and I know that I could repeat that over and over again. You know, I don't hope to ever have to do that, but I feel that confident in my process and I've seen it now over and over again with my with the women I'm working with, that I know that it's a process. So for me, the biggest thing was that I was guarded and I was completely unaware of how guarded I was or how to become unguarded. I had no idea that me being guarded was the um, biggest thing was, was blocking me from creating an intimate connection with a man. So your heart connection to a man mm-hmm. is the glue that holds the relationship together. Oh, I like so when that. my mom was like, oh, Megan, how come these boyfriends can just leave you so easily? She thought it was very strange. And I was just like, I don't know. Isn't that like what dating is like? You know? Yeah. Um, right? Right. My dating narrative. Uh, yeah, right. I actually, I, I really, uh, I like that a lot because, you know, okay, so I I have my personal problem, which I realize is um, I'm in, you know, those 16 personality types, those like Meyer Briggs? Yep. So I'm INTJ, which is apparently an INTJ female is the rarest personality type, but the Achilles heel of INTJs is we're not good at like we're 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 not feelers we're thinkers and so we're not very good at like the small talk and flirtation and all of that stuff in relationships Mm -hmm. that said i haven't had like i've probably had more guys be like your wife material but i don't personally it took me a, a while to learn to feel i will i will admit that it took me a long time to really learn to connect with somebody on like a heart level um and it was something that I did want to talk to you about because, you know, you do gear your um, your uh, perspective to towards um, very successful, strong females, though I think that all of this can apply to everybody. So I definitely want to say that. But but I but you do sort of tailor it a little bit to that to that niche group. And do you find that the 
like the big another big mistake kind of in what you said where we're not you know we don't use our heart as much is a lot of women confuse assertiveness with hardness and we forget that we can still be soft and and still stand up for ourselves because like I used to make that mistake I was like I thought that I was setting boundaries and I had to do it in this harsh way and I realized oh wait that's not like that's just coming off jaded and hard and defensive and everything negative that would turn somebody off, you know, versus like still being able to stand up for myself and being gentle about it. You've obviously done so much of this work. It's it's awesome to hear you. That's huge. But but I think like I see that, right? I'm sure you must see that a lot in, in a lot of the women, especially now because like feminism is such a big thing and we're trying to like stand up for ourselves and be heard. But how do you find that balance between still being well like welcoming and warm while setting a boundary because i don't think men have that problem that's a an art in practice yeah so for example there was a woman in one of my online support groups and she was saying how the man you know something about how he was changing the plan for the first initial date and you know some of these first initial meetings they're a quick drink or a quick coffee and I forget how he had changed it but like oh you know what can we meet in 30 minutes instead of um at you know 30 minutes later something like that and she got very defensive and just kind of bit back and scolded him Mm -hmm. okay and that's what we do when we haven't practiced doing it in the soft way of which you speak And it does exactly, it comes off, you have to think about how this lands for the other person, and it does look jaded, it looks injured, Um, it's a self-protecting way to behave, and yet it completely turns uh, a man off. It's very, you know, he cringes from this, because this is basic, this is in the category of drama. Totally. whereas, Whereas we are told our whole lives that men don't want you to be emotional, which is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. They crave, they need, they oh, yes. want our emotions. But so women don't understand what that means. They don't realize that showing your heart and having and sharing your emotions is different from dramatic acts where your emotions are coming out sideways. Yeah. And, and you know, conversely, guys sometimes do that too, where, um, you know, not in the, the same way of setting that type of boundary, but I get asked a lot by guys, like, and it's so funny to me, I, I start realizing it on the flip end, that they're being jaded, where they're always like, so, like, you sure you're not... You sure you're not like crazy or like blah, blah, blah. You know, when they like, ask some of these weird questions off the top and it always makes me giggle inside because I'm actually now going, oh, you're the jaded one. It's actually not me, but that's cool. No, I'm actually really, you know, I think I'm pretty normal for the most part and I'm pretty upfront about, you know, whatever kind of uh, eccentricities or idiosyncrasies I have. But um But you're right. Sometimes like a guy will come 30 minutes late and a girl will get really upset about it when really we didn't have anything to do for those 30 minutes. It's totally fine if if, like the guy is 30 minutes late. But sometimes we get, you know, we start thinking, well, he's he's um, disrespecting me. He does. He's not taking me seriously. So I'm going to tell him straight up that my time really matters. And the guy on the other end is like, holy shit, really is like some legit thing came up. I wasn't trying to, you know, play you. 
Um, so it's interesting that you say that. Um, and th- yeah, this happens so frequently. So you, you have uh, something that you talk about called leaning back, right? It's like a body language or is it kind of like a body language technique or? It can be body language. Okay, leaning back encompasses um, a variety of behaviors. Do you want to explain it to people? Um, really, explain what what you mean, like, so in part of your technique, a, what you have. It's just a way of explaining a feminine and masculine energy dynamic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and and so so can you give us some examples of that? Sure, exactly. So let's go again with the man who's who's late, for example. Um, I think when when we're in, everybody has masculine and feminine energies mm-hmm. within us, and there is a polarity when you're in your feminine energy space and you are seeking a man who's in his masculine energy space. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like two... Um, you know, when both people are functioning in masculine energy, there is a butting of the heads, like two of the same sides of the same magnet, Natasha, yes. they repel. Yes. Now, because, you know, I do work with a lot of successful women and we are taking action. We have to be in our masculine energy space to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. All men and all women need to do this. And just to get on the train and commute in the city or to make decisions and be analytical and take action, these are all falling under your masculine energy um, behaviors and traits. So what's hard for us as powerful, independent women is to keep this polarity inside a relationship with another, with another person who is also... Um, this independent, strong, analytical thinking, doing action oriented person. And we don't know how to slow down and become our juicy, flowy, um, feminine, energetic self, fluid, who can receive mm-hmm. um, that love and adoration or help from another individual. So, leaning back is a word I like to use because I think it encompasses those behaviors and that does can that can include body positioning yeah no that's I actually I really love that and and um I definitely again had to learn that a, a lot myself where growing up I grew up you know as a tomboy with a brother um I always had to be sort of strong and I remember I I tell the story of um, playing baseball with all of my brother's guy friends and a hard ball literally hit me in the gut. And I was seven years old and it was really strong. I was like right, right by the base. It just knocked me out. And I remember being so winded, but being around all the guys and like hearing my brother in my head about emotions. And I, I just like sucked it up and I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine, but I really just like wanted to cry. And, and so now funny enough, as I grew older, my brother was just like, she's too much like a guy. Like the problem is she's too much like a guy. And I used to laugh and be like, you made me this way, bitch. (laughs) But, um, so relatable to yeah. my story. It's so right? insane. Exactly. And then, and then, and if, of course, in the, in our work and in entertainment, it's sort of a boy's world. So you always have to sort of act a little bit more assertive than, than I might be. 
But then I realized that was also carrying into my relationships. And I remember with um, my now ex who I was living with, he he was from the Midwest and super proper, um, which at first weirded me out that he would open my door for me and wait outside the car for me until I got there. And I remember being like, okay, this is this. You don't need to do that. Like, don't worry about it. I don't need babying. And then he would just say to me that he liked it. And he was like, I want to do this. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I started, like you kind of said, leaning back into it and letting him do that. And I started realizing, oh, I like it too. And after we broke up, uh, the next person I dated, I remember did not open my car door. And I was like, hmm, the guy didn't even open my car door. <laughs> like he didn't even walk me to my car after. Um, which is funny because now I, I, while I know I can be assertive, I still like to be taken care of. Sometimes it's nice to not be on all the time, you know, and just get to mm-hmm. sit back and be the girl once in a while, which maybe the feminists in the world will hate me for. But I think that both sides can find balance in, in, fi- in both energies. I just feel like that's what equality really is. I mean, the balance has to fit between those two people. So you really do need to make that decision if you do like to be on that receiving end and like your Midwest boyfriend, he said, I like to do those things because he wants to do things and please you. It makes him feel um, valid Mm -hmm. and meaningful. And Mm -hmm. in this day and age, particularly when there's so much confusion around gender, right? Your next boyfriend didn't know if you wanted the doors opened or not. Totally. women, Women are guiding them into confusion. I agree. Um, So... But just so you know, the more you commit to this feminine energetic stance, uh, and there's many ways to give off that energy so you can make that commitment, you will attract um, a more masculine energetic partner if you're more committed to that feminine energetic stance. Oh, yeah. All my girls who who are married and in relationships... Are I know that they wear the pants in the relationship, but they are the total girls. They they have their man like men wrapped around their finger, and I'm always like, wait, how how do you even have that? They they and they're just like, oh no, you just you just let them take care of you, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, those are the naturals. Yeah, women are natural. They oh yeah, my friends. My friends have gotten so angry at me. <laughs> yes, exactly. I agree. I had the big brother, and you just reminded me of a memory. Same thing. My big brother was like my idol, and I hung out with him and all his friends. And we, we at some point, you know, for a while, we would pretend to be ninjas, and like I had to learn <laughs> how to ignore pain. So, yep. Yep. <laughs> so totally that know that. Through into adulthood of not being able to express myself. So mm-hmm. that number one thing that made the biggest transformation for me really was learning how to open my heart and um, a mind body connection and being heart centered. And I had no idea that that had anything to do with attracting men. I was using so many other. Um, tools or tricks to attract men which weren't working yeah that's so that's so interesting I find that I find all of this so fascinating um you talk about so can you explain what the man funnel is you have a man man funnel technique (laughs) gladly I will explain the man funnel 
So, um, because I think that in dating, mm-hmm. uh, women are these even these successful women. They're out there looking for a person, and you know it can take a few months, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. To get out there and get back after a breakup, let's say, to get to get your, uh, back on your feet or to find another candidate that you feel remotely excited about, right? So when you do find this person, you are um, feeling really excited and you may even latch on or become attached or sleep with this person when he doesn't want the same things that you want and he doesn't want it on your timeline, but you Mm -hmm. keep holding on for hope that this is all going to turn around. And I see women wasting years, just like I had in the past, in imaginary relationships. Totally. Relationships that aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Relationships with no hope. So the man funnel technique or paradigm was designed to help women move forward in their dating process and land on the right man of soulmate quality uh, quickly without getting stuck in the relationship process and also without getting multiple broken hearts along the way. Right. What does that technique entail? (laughs) So people are dating right now in what I call a linear fashion. So just like the woman who goes out there and gets on the apps and gets out there to the events and she finds, takes a few months, right? She finds the person she's excited about and she's dating him. And um, oftentimes when we're attached or we've slept with someone, We just don't have interest, you know, the oxytocin and we're attached, you know, we don't have interest in other Mm -hmm. people. And, um, and statistically most breakups occur between three and five months. So you get to that time, you break up. Okay. So Mm -hmm. now it's been half a year and takes you again, a few months to recover. So now it's nine months, you're recovering, you're out there, you're looking for another person and you do another three to five months. So with the linear method, Natasha, how many men can you get to know deeply in one year? Yeah, it's true. That's how many? (laughs) I didn't do the math as you were talking. Mason was like four? Like one one or two. Yeah, one or two. That's what I thought. I was like, Mason, how'd you get four? The man funnel... No, but she's saying it's three to five months of one relationship, and then you break up, and then you have... It takes about the, three months to find yeah. your man, right? Yeah. Then you're dating him for three yeah. so for definitely, three to yeah, five one months, to two. Yeah. Then it breaks up, takes you yep. three months to find someone else, and then you start yes. dating him for another. So it's, that's about, yeah. that could be yeah, yeah, one yeah. man per year. Yeah, yeah, and that's like my life, so yes, yeah. So, so the thing is, if you're a young millennial or you're not looking to settle down, that's cool. Like, go go be a girlfriend over and over again. Yeah. Jump into a relationship. Be boyfriend, girlfriend. Feel it out. You have all the time in the world. Yeah. But many of the women that I'm working with, it might be, or they're getting close to an age where they may not be able to have their own children, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. or they're getting, or they're, you know, they're divorced and they're really looking to partner up yeah and they want to share their life with someone or they're just at like a place where they're like hey i just want actual fulfillment in my life and not if you've made a decision and you're looking for that someone and you're looking for them soon then this technique uh would be for you and mm-hmm. and the difference is this in the linear way versus 
the um, what I call the abundance model of dating. Mm. In the abundance model of dating, you're exploring a couple men, two, three men, and you're doing what I call you're having an exploratory phase. And this exploratory phase is just a time when you're leaning back, right? Mm-hmm. You're allowing um, yourself to get to know this person and his values and to make sure that his intent matches your intent without getting attached. So you're taking steps to um, prevent the attachment that muddies our decision-making process, which is proven by science um, that when we do become attached through, let's say, um, having sex and we orgasm and the attachment hormones flow into our body, our frontal lobe can become way less effective than it was before. So basically, in the exploratory phase, my suggestion is that, and I know it's very difficult, especially when you're attracted to someone and you're dating or you're craving touch or attention, right? Don't have my sex. Suggestion, my suggestion is just stay out of each other's apartments yes, and yes, just get yes. to know each other as long as you can. I, it's so funny. I literally was going to ask you that, too. I was going to ask you this after the break, but we brought it up. So it was it was that, you know, we had we had another relationship expert here, um, Dr. Wendy Walsh, and she talks about you should wait, you know, 90 days to have sex. Um, other relationship uh, experts um, disagree with that and believe you should be more sex positive. And I was so curious to be like, what did you what do you think of it? Like, should which way should you go? This is what I think, again, if you're young and you're not worried about settling down quickly and you're ready, you know, to get your, you need your heartbreaks to build your character into that adult life so you can really be a respectful, wonderful life partner to someone. Mm-hmm. So go out there, jump in bed, get your oxytocin, get your heart broke yeah. over and over again, right? But when you're really looking to make that decision, um, for the life partner and you're ready, I think it's wise for, you know, clinically proven reasons and other reasons just to take your time and put the brakes on that as much as you possibly can. Right. And this is why in, in the abundance model of dating that I want you to do to master your man funnel and to be able to get to know, you know, three to six to nine men, for example, per year so you can make you know, choose the best one and make the best decision for you as possible, just like I did Mm -hmm. when I was dating. Um, If you're sleeping with one of them, it really muddies the waters because if you're sleeping with him, what does he think you're doing with, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry? Mm -hmm. Hopefully he doesn't know about Tom, Dick, and Harry, but yeah. Well, he's going to because (laughs) you're going to have your intent statement, you know. It's always great in life in every situation to set your expectations and make them clear um, yeah. that the other person's expectations, I mean, in anything no, that in makes life. Sense. And that's exactly the first step of managing your man funnel with grace. And that is your intent statement. That that's awesome. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go to a quick break, but then when we are back, I want to talk about uh, maybe you can help us figure out what changes we can make in our lives to attract the one we want, and how do we figure out what we really want at all? But first, this message. Hey guys, welcome back to Kind of Dating. I am here with my guest, Megan Wex from New York. Um, She is an international dating and relationship expert, also referred to as the Man Whisperer. Um, And we are talking today about attracting what you want. So 
Megan, what kind of... I mean, I feel like I could go on forever about this because this is such a fascinating topic to me, and you're so great. Um, what kind of changes? We talked about some of them, but what kind of changes can we can people make in their daily lives and attitudes to attract the person that they want? You you mentioned about being more heart centric, and you um, you know talked about making like that mental shift in your head that I want more. Um, you also mentioned yeah. leaning back in the man funnel. All, all I love the names for those, by the way. So um, I feel so, like man funnel's the new. Yes, yes. You need to master your man funnel out there. <laughs> it doesn't have to be so hard out there if you can master your man funnel. Um, so a couple other things that we talked about intent, which is huge. So yeah. that goes that goes to that mindset shift. And I loved how you said like it was like almost immediate when you made that decision. You're like you know what, I do want a relationship. I'm going to go out there and get that relationship and then boom, Mm -hmm. right? So this is a huge one and I want to tie it into something that I see as a major issue with almost every every person that comes to me. Oh, yeah. And that's um, understanding their own worth and personal power Mm -hmm. and one thing that I do with women, in fact, this is what I'm constantly working on. I'm giving them, feeding this into their soul the best that I can to empower them. And that's helping them unleash their their own magic. We really are all magical. And most of the women out there are stomping on their own magic. They're, yeah. they're afraid to let it shine because they don't feel worthy of allowing it to shine and even with myself you know I'd be out I'd go to these like hot or fancy places in Manhattan back in the day and I had like my uniform was like a gray t-shirt and like skinny jeans and heels like I I didn't you know I dumbed myself down Mm -hmm. like and then when I started with my heart and I had this awakening I became who this I grew up as this major tomboy but then I had this awakening and I started all of a sudden and it correlated like the same time that I was doing all of this work on myself, I started being attracted to feminine things Mm -hmm. and like being a girl and I would wear different things. I liked lace or even like put on pink for the first time in my life. Like when I, when I turned around the time I was turning 30 and, um, so it was just it was just beautiful that as I was stepping into my power I was I felt worthy of that attention and admiration yeah. um from others so Yeah that's interesting but- you know for me it the the worthiness came from uh it took me a while to to master that myself where I started noticing I was dating guys who you know, I come from a home where education is really important and all of that. And for some reason, when I got out of this like really abusive relationship, but the guy um, and I don't mean to judge anybody on their education level or whatever, but he he hadn't even graduated high school. And another boyfriend who had also cheated on me, both these guys, one didn't graduate college and the same kind of pattern I started noticing of myself. And it wasn't that I had a problem that they didn't do this, but I realized that they started feeling very insecure with somebody else who, 
who was more, uh, who they felt was more educated than them. And that resulted in their insecurities that made them turn around and cheat on me. And I remember that as I grew older, I finally started realizing like, oh, my problem was I was trying not to judge others and be like, not judgy about, oh, you know, your background and blah, blah, blah. But then I started, you know, my my last ex-boyfriend was an SVP at a studio. And I finally, for once, felt like, oh, my God, it was somebody that I intellectually vibed with, physically vibed with, emotionally. Vibed. And, and I realized, like, oh, for me, I had to realize, like, again, not to judge anybody on based on whatever. But what was important to me was, like, I do want to be with a guy who who is of a specific, like, you know, has at least, like, finished a level of schooling or whatever, because that's where my values lie in my family, too. And for me, like, that was sort of a thing. Um, and realizing why I was feeling insecure and and dating guys who were, you know, not necessarily at the same place as me, if that makes sense. Was, absolutely, because I—and I'll share a story about my settling streak— yeah. Um, but did it, did it feel like for you when you chose these men that, you know, because in some way you might have felt above them, okay, in some way, yeah, yeah. right, just based on your family's values mm-hmm. and what, you know, what your values are, which were given to you, yeah. basically, um, was there something there that made you feel like he'd stick around or you would be more valuable to him? You know, it, it, you're you're probably right. I must have. I didn't in the moment because I was so young at the time. I really didn't judge the situation till I was out of it. When I was out of it, my friends turned around and said to me, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, you knew that that guy wasn't up to par. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then I started realizing, like, but yes, maybe there was definitely something in there within me that thought they'll stick around because they'll feel like they have um, a trophy. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. No, exactly. And I'm only asking, I mean, I'm projecting on you. No, why no, no, yeah. I think I went through my settling streak, you know, living in New York, for example, mm-hmm. Where there's supermodels roaming the street. Oh, yeah. I felt I made decisions. So, this is another thing I see women doing. They're making the decision for the men, for what the men might want. Yes. And I was always deciding, like, oh, if this guy could have her, you know, this guy of this level of attractiveness could have her, then I'm going to have to jump down because of my, mm-hmm. the market that I'm in and I'll date somebody of mediocre attractiveness. Mm-hmm. And so, and it wasn't, you know, uh, looks aren't something that was high on my criteria for a long time. And I would always just go for that lower reach person Mm -hmm. that I thought would value me more. And then I would end up, you know, for a few years, I thought like if you had 80% of what you wanted, then that was great. And you had to stop then and just like take that person. So I kept doing that. I would date my 80% person and I dated him for a year and I'm like, oh, I'm not fulfilled. And I'd go trade 80% man for another 80% man. Mm. And I date him for a year and try to make it work and be like, maybe the feelings will grow. And I spent all that time. Then I, again, I traded that 80% for another one. And then I got so sick of it, Natasha, that I was like, F this. 
<laughs> I don't feel 100% attracted and I don't feel like I'm getting everything I want, I'm just like done. I would just rather be single at this point. Yes. This is like no fun. I'm not having fun. And so it that- was right then and there, that decision, that mindset, just like what you did, when 100% men started showing up for me. Yeah, that's literally where I'm at right now, to be honest with you. People have been asking me, they're like, I don't understand, how come you're single? How come you're single? I was like, you don't get it. At this point, I'd rather be single. And and I tell everybody, there is no shortage of dates or guys or options. That's not it. It's a matter of like, do I am I getting what I want out of this? Am I feeling like this is 100% of a fit for me? I don't, I can't control how anybody else views it. I can only control my life. So I'm at this point where I'm very content and I'm like, cool. If the right person comes along, wonderful. If not, cool. I'll still date when I get the time and I explore and I see what's out there. And if I connect with somebody, great. If I don't, let's keep it moving. Like, you know. No hard right. feelings. So let me just ask you, onwards. since yeah. you asked me, yeah. how are you determining who the right person might be for you? Um, I mean, for me at this point, it's like, uh, it's. you're right. I also did the, the 80% thing and I've probably done, yes, I've done that forever. Um, and uh, there's one person that maybe comes close. He's 95% there, but the 5% he's, he doesn't live in the same country as me. So that kind of fucks both of us. Um, but, but I'm at this point where, um, I determine it based on, I do want to be attracted to somebody and I need our like core values to match, you know, where, um, like those were a lot of the things that I was settling on with people like, oh, they weren't uh, like this. They weren't like that. Or we didn't vibe on, vibe on this thing, but it was OK. But like later it proved to be a problem, you know. Um, is that the kind of is that what you mean? Like how I'm. Yeah, I basing? just want to know how you're determining who the right person is. Yeah. I mean, there's various ways. I think it's it's very important to get that intent out, get yeah. it out on paper, list your top 15 qualities, list your deal breakers, yeah. right? Because just like you just said, you know, we generally know the reason that the relationship is going to end. We mm-hmm. already know it. Those red flags are there. I say you. I say I really believe we know that in the first week of dating somebody. Like I've gone on a few dates. I already know it's not going to work. I still went on a second date with somebody because I was like, okay, maybe I'm just being too picky. So let me try again. And then I tried to see if like he had a lot of things, but I didn't know if I was necessarily attracted to him. And then I was like, no, no, you know me. I'm a thinker. I was like, let me try to feel this. <laughs> this next date and then I went on a second date and I was like no I don't feel it and I just had to like walk away instead of normal Tash who would you know stick around and be like well no he's such a nice guy and yes I only want to be with a nice guy but I want to be with a nice guy that I'm really like also attracted to um but I like that I, that you continue to explore and that is one thing about the exploratory phase where you're like giving them that opportunity to see you know, what might happen over a a series, a few dates. I think that's good. Like for me, for example, now when my husband showed up, there were men in my man funnel and there was Mm. a particular man that I started having attachment for. So it was hard for me to feel something for Josh initially, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Now I was taking dating on like a well-oiled machine and because of having so much experience, I knew 
that the attachment that I was feeling for the other person in my funnel would keep me tunnel vision, but I worked through that. So even though I didn't have um, butterflies, right, for Josh initially, I knew that he was a candidate that had a lot of what I was looking for and and he was attractive. I didn't feel the holy shit, oh my God, right? But I did keep going on those dates and um, and this is this is very interesting. It must have been fifth date, and we were taking things very slowly. Um, but I remember smiling from ear to ear, like I, I felt this strong, like I was just really glowing and smiling. And then I said to him, I was like, I just don't know if I like you or not, but. You know, but I sure am smiling a lot. Like, I don't know how I yeah. feel about you yet, but, you know, there's got to be something said. I think my subconscious knew and yeah. it was like manifesting in my, you know, my mm-hmm. smiling. And uh, it was just really cool. So when you're managing a man funnel, you might not have those feelings because yes. there's people, there's always like the way our brain works. It only wants to concentrate on mm-hmm. one one man at a time. So you have to like consciously fight that and continue to build your funnel. So a major tip in, ma- in mastering your man funnel, Natasha, is yeah. even when you're feeling some some attachment, you want to fill the top of the funnel. Like you can't forget to keep, keep swiping yeah, just yeah, because yeah. you have someone you feel excited about. That's no, how totally. you waste your time and fall into those pitfalls and traps. No, it's true. Girl, I don't have attachment problems at all. I think I have the opposite of attachment problems. Um, no, I'm just joking. Uh, but you're right. Like um, with my ex, um, the one I was living with is probably again the closest I've come to to thinking like I found the one. And I remember I tell people like I wasn't necessarily into him for the first month and a half, and it took me a while. And he sort of broke me down a little bit. Not not that I was trying to keep any guard up. I just wasn't sure how I felt. And I was dating other people at the same time. And um, but I do think it's important to understand yourself. Like, I think the 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 thing that unifies you and I and I'm still working on this every single day is like the self-awareness is like knowing what gets to me, what makes me open up my heart. And for me, it's like it is those, you know, the silly like five love languages. Like for of me, course. it's acts it's not of silly. yeah. I don't think so either. But in case anybody out there does, but um, I like for me, it's acts of service. And I realized my ex, um, he would start like it was our first month and a half, and I didn't understand. Like it was like three weeks in, and I was going to New York, and I hope he's never listening to this. He probably wouldn't, but. Three weeks into us dating, he was way more into it than I was. I was going to New York on a trip, and I was going to hang out with a couple guys that I used to, because I used to live in New York, that I used mm-hmm. to date there. So, and he was like, I'm going to drop you to the airport. And I was like, I don't need you to drop me to the airport. He's like, no, no, I'm going to drop you to the airport. I'm going to pick you up when you're back. And I was like, we've just, we're just hanging out. It's only been three weeks, like... I'm going to go see other guys. Like, I don't need, like, I was like feeling the guilt over it. I was like, I don't need you to take me to the airport and pick me up. But he was so insistent on it. And he was like, I, I'm, I'm gonna get you. Just tell me your time. And I was like, okay, man, you want to be the dude about this? Cool, bro. And I just like gave him the time and he like got me, picked me up. He picked me up, came to my, he's like my godson. He came to his second birthday party again, like three, three weeks in. And I told him, I was like, look, you don't need to pick me up because I got to go 
to my nephew's birthday. It's a two-year-old's birthday. You don't, you know, you, I, don't, I don't need you to be like my runner. He's like, no, I'll come with you to the birthday. And I was like, okay, man, sure, come. And then my, like, nephew loved him. And the minute my nephew loved him, I was like, all right, you fucking win. Like, you got it. Because, like, my nephew doesn't like any boy. And then and then it started where I got into a, a like, a three weeks later, two weeks later, I got into a major car accident um, on the highway here. And uh, I was freaking out. And I didn't, I called him as just like, hey, this thing happened. I didn't know who else to tell. And he showed up. He was like, where are you? I was like, I'm not telling you. I got to go. I got to call the cops. I couldn't move. Basically, I couldn't move. I got I got reared by a truck on the highway and I couldn't move like the whole left side of my body. And I was freaking out that I was paralyzed. And somehow he like drove on the shoulder of the highway and found me even on a work day. It was a work morning and he left work, came back, drove on the 405 on the shoulder to find me. And he did. And that moment I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, this is it. And so I realized for me, like the problem is I don't feel things right away for people until I get to know them a little more. And that's why like some of these other people, I've given them two, three, four dates to be like, okay, well, knowing me, I know I open up a little bit in time once I, you know, the heart part opens up a little in time when I get to know people and can see if they'll be reliable in my life. And if I do, then that's like, oh, big check, you know, like big moving yeah. forward. Um, yeah. But at some point, like attractiveness is also important. So if that's not growing for me, I'm like, all right, well, we got to cut this. Yeah, number one, and that's where I was settling a lot. Yeah. Um, like, they had everything on paper, like, everything that I wanted, you know, culturally and blah, blah, blah. And so I would settle on attractiveness. So yes. for any of you out there, I really want you to take away that you just cannot, although attraction can grow through mutual vulnerability and respect, you just can't settle there. So after a while, if there's no sparks flying, you know, you got to next him. No, you're right. Um, Megan, this has been so fascinating, and I I, I feel like I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm I've got to have you back at some point on the show because this was so great, and I feel like we oh, go I'd on be forever. Honored. Thank you. Yeah, and when I come out to New York, we're gonna hang. Oh hell yeah! I used to live there too, and I'm like, I you need gotta come to Master Your Man Funnel Live in Manhattan. <laughs> it's true. I used to live there. I lived there for I know, I saw yeah. Your, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I love New York. Um, so, but we're still gonna, we're not done yet. We're gonna ask you five questions. Um, so this is our dating version of the Bernard Pivot questionnaire made famous on Inside the Actor Studio. But these are our original five dating questions. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, are you ready for your five questions, Megan? Yeah, put me on the spot. Okay, you got this. <laughs> um, it's just like rapid fire. Don't overthink it. Um, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Chompers. I love a great set of teeth, and my husband knows this. I tell him all the time. He's got such a beautiful smile. But also, like, uh, clothing, sense of style. Mm. Is, uh, I'm a very visual person, so that's, you know, it's very important. To yeah. Me. What turns you on? Chompers and a great sense <laughs> of style. No, I like, uh, I like... I like a little bit of suaveness, that mm -hmm. masculinity, that take charge kind of behavior when a man can like step up and take that role that is very sexy to me. Mm -hmm. What is your one deal breaker? Let's see. Uh, you know, I really want someone 
and I have someone who is very kind. So I look for kindness. Mm -hmm. So if I see anything that's unkind and you can see how they're treating other people around you, that's a major deal breaker Mm -hmm. for me. Tell us one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships. Well, we all sit in our blind spots, right? Mm -hmm. I always work through and I've worked through so many of my weaknesses, my plethora of weaknesses, right? So something that I was still working on after the ring and after the marriage was uh, setting boundaries and mm-hmm. staying into my, in my power, not succumbing mm-hmm. um, to the other person, my marriage, and I've grown there. So that, that was probably a weakness that I'm not sure. I'm sure it will be challenged just since I'm saying I'm already good at it, that <laughs> the universe is going to throw something at me, right? Hey, it's a good to, thing. Uh, You'll to overcome. let me know. Um, my weakness, and as I'd mentioned before, before the ring and during my dating process was pulling these tricks out of my hat, these rabbits out of my hat to try to what I thought men were looking for Mm -hmm. and acting in certain ways to get that love when they were all the wrong ways. Right. And did you say a strength? So now my strength would be, um, you know, maintaining attraction. Mm, I like it. You keep it spicy, girl. (laughs) <laughs> Besides, I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Um, you're gorgeous, or uh, how's this? Uh, I love seafood. Ah, yes. <laughs> you're a seafood fan, I see. Aphrodisiacs, aren't they? Isn't like fish or something? Um <laughs> Megan Wex. Not in a sexual way. I'm I know, like, I know. I no, I'm a foodie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like thinking about that now. Ew. <laughs> I'm just messing. Um, thanks so much, Megan, for being on the show. How can people find you? How can they maybe set an appointment to talk to you, to any girl or guy out there? She's awesome, as you can hear. Um, how can people find you? Sure. Thanks. MeganWex.com. M-E-G-A-N-W-E-K-S. Dot com, you'll receive, you can go onto my site and download just like, you know, join my newsletters and you'll get free tips like all the stuff we talked about and action steps, but you can download, well, you'll get automatically my free report, um, the four triggers that cause heartbreak when looking for your one. It's my mission really now to help you avoid that unnecessary heartbreak while identifying your your person. And, and you've gotten 20 people married, so... Uh... You have a good good success rate there. That's big. Yeah, it does. It does work. I can say yeah. that now. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Guys, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Kinda Dating. Kinda Dating is presented by Meltdown Comics. You can come visit us at 7522 Sunset Boulevard here in L.A. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Please take a few seconds and review us on iTunes if you can. Um, also send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. And finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. 